Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he typically does, and because I can't get rid of him, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. I ain't working here no more. <laughs> That's a colorful introduction to our topic today. Yeah, we're going to talk about what's next for Apple. What's coming up for Apple now that Steve Jobs has resigned? And uh, for those of you who somehow managed to avoid the news, uh, on August how? 20... Yeah, I don't know how you managed to do it. But in, uh, on August 24th, 2011, Steve Jobs sent a letter to the to Apple's board of directors handing in his resignation as CEO of Apple, although he did suggest or request that he be allowed to remain chairman of the board. And he also suggested that the COO, the chief operating officer, Tim Cook, be named the new CEO of Apple. And uh, and the board took both of those actions. So done and done. Yeah. So Jobs is still he's still with Apple. I mean, the, the way that the news covered this, it sounded like Jobs had not only left Apple, but that he was gone forever. And that part, it was almost like eulogies were being written. And as far as we know, mm, yeah. the, as far as we know, the reason for Jobs stepping down, he said he was no longer able to fulfill his duties as CEO, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, he actually, I can read the verbatim the way that he worded this. I have always said if there ever came a day when I could no longer meet my duties and expectations as Apple's chief executive, I would be the first to let you know. Unfortunately, that day has come. I hereby resign as chief executive of Apple. So the assumption is that Steve Jobs' health has taken such a, a poor turn that he just feels that it is not, he's not capable of, of uh, Fulfilling that role. And he has been on medical leave, or he was on medical leave, since January 17th, 2011. And, and so, yeah, but the thing is, though, that that is speculation. Right. He hasn't he, actually said that. He did not that. directly say that. I mean, it's, you could it's say that's, a, to note you that. could say it's a safe bet, but it's not necessarily the whole story, and we should not jump to conclusions. And, before we go any further, we have done an episode about Steve Jobs and his work at Apple. Yes. Uh, it was a, an earlier episode. We actually did an episode about Steve Jobs and we did an episode about Bill Gates because these two men were both visionary. They were both leaders in, in the personal computer revolution. They the had a lot of similarities. Days. Yeah. They, they both were dropouts of college. And They're they, both about the same age. They both are, are incredibly wealthy. They both have very strong personalities and very specific ideas of where things need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of similarities. Uh, there are a lot of differences as well. Anyway, we did a podcast about Steve Jobs back then that if you are really curious about the man, I suggest you listen to. We're going to cover some of that probably again in this conversation because it's necessary to really understand why people are reacting in such a uh, a strong way to this news, and uh, and some of it you could probably say is to, uh, an overemphasis on the importance of the news, not to belittle Steve Jobs or to say that his contributions haven't been enormous to Apple's success. They clearly have been, but to turn around and say Apple's doomed is a little reactionary i think 
I would go so far as to say it might even be a lot reactionary. <laughs> I didn't want to react too strongly to how reactionary it might be. Right. Because right. then we have a re- positive feedback reactionary loop. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think that the top is still spinning. Let's check our inception. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're still a dream within a dream, at least one level down. Um, um. <laughs> did you hear what Eric Schmidt recently said about Steve Jobs? Yes. I mean, no. This is, this is pretty phenomenal. All right. So Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google, still with Google. So, yes. uh, here's what he said, uh, that you probably thought you heard, but then realized you had not. Right. I don't <laughs> know where that came it's from. It's really early. Well, you know, Chris at this point is just used to Jonathan's talking. Just agree with what he says. <laughs> it, it's easier. It Plus, easier. apparently there's a drinking game that goes along with me saying yes. So, so I don't want to let anyone down. Right. Congratulations. I hope you guys are being safe out there. Um, no, Eric Schmidt said recently that Steve Jobs was probably the best CEO in 50 or 100 years. Hmm. And I really hadn't heard that. It's, you know, that's that's huge praise. And you got to remember, Google and Apple do not have necessarily the most friendly of relationships with one another. They they used to be. Well, yeah, we, we covered Schmidt, their friend- Schmidt used to be on the board of directors for Apple, yes. as well as the board of directors for Google. He was on both at the same time, and in fact stepped down from Apple because of some worries that this was sort of a collusion or perhaps monopolization of right. of two fields, right. mm-hmm. or really one field, just two different approaches to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty high praise. I mean, there have yeah. been a lot of uh, really impressive CEOs of all kinds of companies, not just tech companies. Sure, but I mean, just the uh, you know the people who uh, might be considered uh, Steve Jobs' peers, right? Out there, you know, people yeah, like Larry Ellison and. Yeah, I mean, just it's all really kinds of famous tech personalities, and not just tech either. Because the thing about Jobs is that you know Jobs definitely left his mark on Apple. I mean, oh, Apple, yes. Apple's culture and Apple's products are the way they are in large part due to Steve Jobs. Not to say that the other people at Apple haven't made enormous contributions, fundamental contributions to the company's success. They have, but Steve Jobs is he. It's hard to imagine Apple as it is today without Steve Jobs in that picture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he and the company are almost synonymous. And so I would compare Steve Jobs with some other famous leaders who also the company in some cases literally was synonymous, for example, Walt Disney. Right, right. Because Walt Disney had a reputation for having a very – clear vision of where he wanted his company to go and what he wanted to accomplish. And he also had a reputation for not wanting to compromise on that vision, to do whatever it takes to make that vision a reality. Mm-hmm. And he was he had a reputation for being a taskmaster, that working for Disney was incredibly rewarding professionally, but it was also really rough. I mean, it was it meant that you were working harder than you had ever worked before, and you were expected to contribute that level all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot can be said about Steve Jobs that is almost identical to that, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And in fact, you know, you even have Jobs' as a, a relationship with Disney goes even further, because Jobs sits on the board for Disney and also yes. was the head of Pixar. Right. So... You know, Pixar is also now a Disney company. So the the relationship goes beyond just the the superficial where you can say Disney and Jobs are like this because of – I mean the the two merged in a way which is you know, interesting. 
I think that Jobs is um, becoming synonymous with Apple is in, in part to two things, which are oddly um, at odds with one another, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, he co-founded the company. Yes. And then he was essentially forced out of the company. Yeah, that's that's we should probably address that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, there he he his strong personality hasn't always <laughs> served him well. Served him well, or it hasn't made the best impression on other very influential people. So, so back in the early days of Apple, mm-hmm. and we're talking the mid '80s here. Uh, Steve Jobs had his his behavior. He, he clearly was a genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was already obvious that he was a genius. That the man was a visionary, but he also had a very, uh, well, uh, what's the best word to use? Strong personality, let's yeah. say. And and again, a desire to attain a vision without compromise, which, you know, that can rub some people the wrong way. And in fact, his inexperience with business led the Apple's board of directors to choose a different person to act as president and CEO, and that person was John Scully. Yeah. Scully actually came from a completely different field. Yes. He came from Pepsi. Yes. Um, and uh, a lot of people didn't didn't like that because they thought, well, you know, this is a completely different change, and, you know, it's, it's not somebody who is intimately tech. And he didn't necessarily share the vision that, that – Apple's founders had when they created the company. So then mm-hmm. you're asking, well, it, can you even call Apple the same company that it was when it started? Because now you've got a, a, a someone who's coming from this from a totally different angle in charge. And uh, eventually, Jobs left Apple. Uh, you know, you could argue whether or not Apple fired him or Jobs resigned. It's kind of uh, essentially. Scully kept push, pushing Jobs further and further to the edge of the company. I think they ran him off. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. It's almost like if I'm nasty enough, they'll go away sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that's oversimplifying it, but essentially that's what's happened. And then so Jobs leaves the company and then he goes off and does his own thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Scully's tenure at Apple is not the best thing for that company. Uh, it's The company starts to have some serious issues over the next decade. Yeah, it had uh, it had supply problems. Yep, um, they were known for creating multiple computers with hard to. Uh, basically, they were using a numbering system at that point. Yep, um, they had uh, and and the numbering system it wasn't clear necessarily what computer was what. Mm-hmm. Um, the differences between the pro and consumer computers was confusing, and they and Scully started to do something that Jobs. Absolutely refused to do. Well, there was one more thing before. Oh, that. sorry. Go oh, ahead. I was going to add that simply that uh, they were also known for quality problems. Yeah, which is not something that a lot of people associate with Apple in 2011. But at the time, with a few they were known exceptions. But with, yes, yeah, they were known for ha- releasing lemons, complete mm-hmm. lines. You know, the uh, you know this particular model number 530 stinks. Don't ever buy this computer because it's just a terrible, terrible design. Right. Well, the, the other thing that Scully did that uh, Jobs definitely did not um, approve of was no. uh, essentially approving clones of Apple devices. Other manufacturers to be able to use um, – to, to incorporate Apple's technology into 
into uh, their own machines. Mm-hmm. That's not something Jobs was ever interested in. No. And, uh, and but it was what enabled Windows to become as big as it was, was yeah. IBM's decision to allow clones of its machines. Right. So it, it had a there was precedence for this move, yeah. but it ended up not being the right idea for Apple. And in 1997, uh, the company, Apple, the company, decided to purchase a company called Next, which was Steve Jobs' company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a company that was dedicated to creating uh, a new computer systems specifically for educational uh Purposes, not just educational purposes, but that was like the main focus. Yeah, it was aimed at that market. Yeah. Now there were other competitors that, uh, I mean, basically people, uh, analysts were saying at the time that Apple was doomed. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Dell actually was famous in his proclamation that, uh, Apple should be, uh, sold off and mm-hmm. the proceeds be redistributed to its stockholders because it was in such bad shape. Um, Wired magazine had a, a famous cover and, uh, in which they were talking about Apple's problems and what should be done, if anything, to save the company, if anything could save the company. And, um, it was pretty widely known and they, they had a, an operating system that was languishing yep. the, the next version of its operating system. People kept saying, when is this thing coming out? Right. It doesn't look like it's ever coming out. And, uh, they said, well, there, there were rumors going around that Apple was looking to buy Next mm-hmm. or some other companies, one of which was B. Uh, B, as in B-E, operated, um, had a computer called the B-Box, which was a, was pretty innovative for its time. It had four processors in mm-hmm. it and was led by uh, a former Apple executive named Jean-Louis Gasset, who also is a strong personality. And a lot of people thought it was down to B versus next, or at least a lot of people that I was reading about at the time, because I was actually following this. Right. And um, uh, Apple decided to acquire next outright. And they sort of acquired Steve Jobs along with it. A lot of people thought that Apple was more interested in Steve than it was next. the next operating system. Although next operating system did play a fundamental role in what would become the new version of Mac OS. Yes. But uh, yeah, so Steve Jobs comes back to Apple and before too long becomes the new president and CEO of Apple. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, Jobs started to to undo some of the changes that Scully had made during his tenure. Yeah, he completely remade Apple. I would go so far as to say. Yeah, and it took some years before Apple really started to see some big success because at this point, really, and you could argue still today, Mac, the Macs just consisted of a very tiny portion of the personal computer market. Mm -hmm. They just really didn't make a huge dent. It was mainly PCs, so Windows-based machines, and then there was a tiny slice of Apple products. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, also, I mean, just in just to put it in perspective, at that point Windows 95 was out, 98 was coming out. I mean, Windows was really hitting its stride and in making inroads to the desktop in businesses all around the world. Yeah, it was essentially the business operating system. Yeah. It was much more polished than Windows 3.x. Um, much more polished. It was a oh, ni- yeah. it was a huge leap forward for Windows. Yeah. So, I mean, Apple had that was the wrong, t- the exact wrong time for Apple to be stinking it up. Yeah. So Jobs starts making changes, but it's not really until about 2001 that the next huge thing happens that really pushes Apple forward, and that's the introduction of the iPod. Mm-hmm. And MP3 players existed before the iPod came out. It's not that the iPod was uh, a new idea. 
But the iPod had an elegant design compared to the other MP3 players that were out on the market at that time. And Steve Jobs is uh, – he's many things. He's a visionary. Uh, he's a powerful leader, but he's also incredibly um, – good at marketing mm-hmm. and and getting a message across and getting you to believe and buy into that message. You could walk into an Apple keynote completely skeptical and walk out thinking, I got to get to an Apple store now. Well, there weren't any Apple stores in 2001. No, but now. And, and Apple didn't make anything other than computers and operating systems. Um, actually, well, it did make other software, which it spun off, actually spun off a, a division of itself called Claris, which... Uh, made all kinds of other software. I mean, they were into. They even had their own work suite, um, and they they had some other stuff. They did they did have the Newton, which was an, yeah. uh, a PDA, and the the Emate, which was an an educational device that people kind of wish they still made for a while after. I just that. think of the Simpsons with the Newton. <laughs> Make a note: beat up Martin, eat up Martha. <laughs> but uh, yeah, handwriting recognition was well known. <laughs> Yeah, for, for not, not working. being very good. <laughs> um, that we'll get somebody who really loves their Newton, who still uses their Newton, who who will complain. Even with us. the creators of the Newton admit that the handwriting software was not quite ready. It was that was one of those things where the company was pushing for it before the the hardware and software were fully baked. Mm-hmm. Huh? Apple fully baked pie mm, pie. So so Steve Jobs introduced a new scheme in which. Uh, they would create a consumer line of portables and desktops and a, and an educational line, which was sort of off to the side. And then the, the pro line of, of portables and desktops. Then you had the iPod. And then in 2007, you had the iPhone. And in 2010, the iPad. In fact, way back when the iPod was coming out, Jobs had already predicted something that has come true. Yeah. Which is that, the digital lifestyle would be one where we would have a lot of digital devices and the personal computer would become more of a synchronization hub and less of a of a focus on your computing time. Essentially, he predicted the post-PC era. Mm-hmm. And you could argue, and we have argued, that we are in a post-PC era. It's not that the PC has gone away. It's not that it's not important. It's just that we are using other devices to interact with the internet and to do uh, just basic computing that have nothing that that do not resemble desktops or laptops. Yeah, it's more we get our information from more places than just our PC. Right. And more frequently than we do with our PCs yep. in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sit in front of a PC all day, so I get a lot of my information from my PC, but otherwise I no longer feel like you know, I still carry that experience with me when I walk away from the PC because I have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, what Jobs was saying has come true. Uh, he also uh, he also was really good, again, at, at selling these ideas. I, like, like the iPad, I was famously skeptical about how the iPad would do in the market because I was thinking of the old tablet computers. Sure. And tablet computers have been around for a while and they just never took off in the consumer market. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, mm-hmm. how the heck is Jobs going to convince people that mm-hmm. they need a device that historically no one has wanted? Right. Right. And and I, I know I'm exaggerating by saying no one, but for the sake of argument. Right. Yeah. Uh, I recently had a conversation with Wilson Tang from CNET mm-hmm. and he gave me his perspective of what he thought one day 
went it was after the iPad had been announced but before he had he had purchased one and it really makes a lot of sense he said he was on the subway in New York and he was looking around and he saw that someone was reading a book and someone else was reading a newspaper and someone was playing a game on a device and someone's listening to a MP3 player and they thought wait a minute that's what this is for that's what this iPad is for it's not to it's it's not that it's taking it's creating a new space or whatever but it's 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 almost like it's not that it's replacing smartphones it's not that it's replacing MP3 players or video game controllers it's that it's doing all of these things at the same time and it's replacing paper it's replacing books and newspapers in the sense that you can then consume them on this one device and you don't have a larger form factor you have to deal with when you're done with the whatever the thing is whether it's a book or a newspaper mm-hmm. you don't have to throw it away or file it away or or you know put it on a bookshelf you just you can get another file and look at that and when you think about it in that perspective, uh, it really – that's exactly what Steve Jobs did. He showed that this is how you could use this device and how it would give you uh, a lot more flexibility in the way you consume media and play games and all of these sort of ideas. And uh, and I just did not see that. I didn't see it until Jobs took the stage and explained it to me. And that's one of the things that you got to argue about Jobs is that he really is a visionary. Mm-hmm. I mean he really is a kind of person who – gets an idea and can see it and the value in it before anyone else does. And mm-hmm. then he can, even more amazingly than that, convince you to agree with his point of view. Bef- you know, the, the, the day before, you never would have considered it. The day after, you can't imagine it any other way. It's the reality distortion field. Yes. That is, often we call it the reality <laughs> distortion field that, you know, it's magical. I think you're going to love it. Right. One more thing, too. Yeah. One more thing Uh, that hasn't been around for ages, but he was famous for leaving the most compelling, most wow factor element out of a product release until the very last minute when he was on stage. Oh, one more thing. It's kind of like the Columbo one more thing. It's when he drops the, the hammer and you and you get that like, oh, he figured it out. He knew the game before you even knew you were playing. It's the kicker. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's the thing, too, because I would not necessarily have imagined that people would tune in to a computer company's product announcement. Right. It's a press for, release. For entertainment. Yes. You have, you have people taking time off of work to log into a, a mm-hmm. system to watch, either to watch the keynote live or to watch some tech journalists covering the keynote live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have live blogs that blog line by line what's being said on stage. And people are just furiously refreshing their pages to see what the next thing is. That is, I mean, how many other companies have that? Google, maybe. Well, they, and, and this is one of those things that other companies have realized that Apple was doing well with Steve Jobs' help. Yeah. Um, and people like Google have done that with, and, and more and more you see, uh, tech news outlets like CNET going to uh, Google I.O. and talking about the next version of Android and right. telling you what the new thing is. Um, we saw it somewhat with Palm with the web OS yeah. a little bit. It didn't really pan out well for them. But-, but but you have to have someone when you're doing this, you have to have someone who's charismatic. And Steve Jobs showed the tech industry, look, you guys, we can make products that make people 
sit up and take notice. Yeah. You just got to show them the right way. Right. Yeah. He and could, you can do this. You can, you can introduce a totally revolutionary product that no one had any desire for the day before. It had no knowledge of it and just, you can create you know, the market for that. Yeah, exactly. You could put that in front of somebody and not say anything. And that person may find it compelling or they may just walk away. But if you show them why it's compelling, then you've got them. You hooked them. And, and <laughs> you got to agree. I mean, the iPad sales alone show that that's true. But uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Steve's personal style a little bit. Not not the way he dressed. I was going to say the turtleneck the, and jeans. The, um, the mock turtleneck and jeans. Yeah. No, no, not that. I wanted to talk about sort of Steve Jobs has a, a reputation for being very outspoken and very critical mm-hmm. to the point where – some people would call it like just devastating criticism that, you know, he did not hold back and he would, he wouldn't, res- you know, it wouldn't just be a criticism of your work. It would, he would direct insults to people who worked for him. And, uh, there's been a lot of talk about that, about how he was kind of a, a, a super tough boss. Mm-hmm. But I've actually read some, some interesting reports that said that really his reasoning for that wasn't to convince people to do things his way. Mm-hmm. He wasn't setting out to belittle someone in order to get them to become a yes man, right? Because right. that's the that's the the popular view is that Steve Jobs has an iron will and this is why it has to be done this way. No, what he was doing was he was testing people. Mm-hmm. And he would test them by two ways. One, he would try and con- say that their ideas had no merit in an in an attempt to have them defend those ideas. And if the person could defend his or her idea passionately and intelligently, then Steve Jobs would say, you know, this this employee really believes in this. Mm-hmm. And this is something I need to pay attention to. And, you know, so it was kind of a way of separating really interesting ideas that had real merit out from the noise. So it was separating the signal from the noise in that sense. It was mm-hmm. just doing it in a really abrasive way. Abrasive way. <laughs> and the other thing that he was testing was by telling a uh, an engineer that this is not the best you can do, you're reinforcing a a kind of insecurity that runs through most engineers, which is, I could have made something better than this if I had really tried. You're mm-hmm. reinforcing that idea. And so then the engineer goes back, and even if they really did put forth their full effort before, somehow they scrape down and they get a little bit more and they push themselves even harder now, the danger of this, of course, is that you can burn out people pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's tough to be in that environment. And in fact, there are a lot of Apple employees who said, you know, I did the best work of my life for Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after a while, that just takes a psychological toll. And, and Steve Jobs wouldn't – it's not that he would never praise people. He would heap praise on people for a good job. But then that same person might get chewed out the next day if Steve Jobs sees something that he thought was not up to the right standard. Mm-hmm. So you would have this day where you, you don't – when you go into work, you don't know if you're going to get you know carried around the office on everyone's shoulders or thrown out into the parking lot. It just – you had no way of knowing, and that is a very stressful environment. Yeah. It was also an incredibly productive environment because we saw some of the most amazing products come out of Apple because of this culture. Mm-hmm. It's just I know that I personally would not want to work in a place with that culture. It would I, – I, I wouldn't last. No, I don't it's think just, it would thrive. I don't have that kind of – yeah, I don't have that kind of personality. It wouldn't I – would, I would crumble. 
And maybe that just means that that's just proof that I don't fit there, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. not – and that's not saying that I'm a bad person or that Apple's a bad company. It's just a bad fit. Yeah. And so now there's the question of with Jobs resigning, is that culture still going to be there? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Is there still going to be someone testing employees and pushing them harder and will it be done the same way or will it – will they try a different approach? Will – well, Tim Cook, who will now be the CEO, will he find a different way to encourage employees than Steve Jobs? Now, we should say that Tim Cook also has a reputation for having a very specific approach to things. He's not known as a visionary, but he is known as someone who can take uh, a system and make it far more efficient and manageable. He's a great manager. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's the reason why Apple has a lot of deals with various other companies. Like it's it's the relationships formed between Apple and these companies, those were overseen by Tim Cook, and he was just really good at getting that stuff to work. He can run a company very well, mm-hmm. but he does not have a reputation for being a risk taker like Steve Jobs was and a visionary like Steve Jobs was. So that's where the question of, well, now that Steve Jobs is gone, does this mean that Apple's going to like? Will Apple's future mean that? We'll still get good products. We just won't get this is going to change everything type products because the iPhone was billed as the device that would change everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in a way, it kind of did, at least in the smartphone market, because before the iPhone, there was no real consumer smartphone out there. Well, Apple is no longer Apple Computer. It is Apple Incorporated yes. at this point. And I think that shows the uh the company's intended direction. I think it's also important to note um, that Apple is not Steve Jobs. If it were Steve by himself, he would never have been able to take Apple where it is now. Yeah, and it and, because it and, would be a one-person operation. And again, because Steve Jobs used this way to challenge people and to get them to defend their ideas, and then incorporated those ideas, you know, you could say that yes, yeah, Steve Jobs doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to to end up giving in or giving giving way to anyone else. But the truth is he just wanted to make sure the best ideas were incorporated. And if it had just been his own ideas, it would be a very different company mm-hmm. today. In fact, it might not even exist today. He might not have been able to to recover from the uh, the situation Apple was in when he came on as CEO. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are – I mean the company wouldn't be where it is today without people like Tim Cook – Yep. But people like Jonathan Ive. Yes, uh, who is a brilliant designer. He's the fellow who really gives Apple products the look that they have. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was behind some of the company's most iconic, uh, devices, like the original iMac, like the iPod, Mm -hmm. um, and many, many other devices in those lines. And, you know, the, that, the design factor. I mean, th- these are the things that Apple's uh, uh, opponents complain about. Oh, they're just interested in having the thing that looks cool. Well, there's that's part of Apple's appeal there, is that yeah, it does look cool. It's part of why is very important. It's, it's part of why Apple has clawed its way back in the market. It's part of why Apple's competitors are now concerned about design. Right. Um, and Jobs also had a reputation of being. Very specific. Like if something was even just a hair off, he would jump on that and say, this is not right. We have to Mm -hmm. fix it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those people for the moment are still there. 
And I don't think there's anything, you know, if you are an Apple fan, I don't think there's anything for you to worry about in the immediate future. Well, yeah. I think for the next few years, the product plans are made. Yes. Yeah. For at least three to five years. I mean, the Apple's got its product plans laid out. It's, it's not like these companies are just a few months ahead of whenever they announce something. You got to know that when something's being announced, Chances are there's at least two generations of that device in some form of uh, production or planning at at the time when the the new one's launching. Mm-hmm. So when we see the iPhone 5 launch, iPhones 6 and 7 are at least in a good planning stage. Or being lost somewhere in or a being San lost Francisco in a bar. bar. Yeah, I can't believe – twice that's happened now. We're recording this just after <laughs> the news broke. If you don't remember, the iPhone 4, there was a prototype iPhone 4 that got lost or... or Quote, unquote, lost. Quote, unquote, lost. So it may have been left in a bar or it may have found itself uh, freed from someone's pocket. The details are not entirely clear. What is known is that, of course, the person who found it then sold the uh, iPhone to a... Uh, online news source that I'm not even going to name because I'm so sick of them. Anyway, uh, but anyway, so uh, I think of that as a very unethical thing, and I'm going to leave it at that. So at any rate, you hear this story and you're like, wow, that's terrible control of your products. Mm -hmm. And then it happened again. Yeah. Though we don't know right now, as of the recording of this podcast, the nature of the device that was lost. We know it was a prototype, or at least it was an early build of a device. But we don't know if it's an iPhone 5 or maybe like the iPhone 4S. Yeah. You know, we don't know what the Both actual of which are product rumored was. to exist. Yes. So we don't, as of the recording of this podcast, we're not sure exactly what it is. But it is weird that almost, and it was almost a year, like, between the two incidents. Like, it was a little more than a year, but not by much mm-hmm. when they happened. This actually happened back in July, but it wasn't until... What was it? August thirty first when the news broke, or Something September first? It was one of the yeah. I was I was out of town, so it was hard for me to follow. In fact, what was funny was I was out of town, and someone came up to me and they said, "What do you think about the whole iPhone bar thing?" And I said, "Why are you talking to me about that? That happened a year and a half ago." <laughs> like, no, no, it happened yesterday. I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> Again? Yeah. Deja vu? But yeah, I mean, I, I think See, these... that's what happens when Steve Jobs leaves. <laughs> Because if lost. he was there, it would it, you know he probably would have said never again, and then he leaves, and then again happens. Yeah. Except that, except that it happened in July, not in not in August. Uh, part of the story kind of falls apart when you look at the facts. But yeah. when have facts ever gotten in the way of a good story for me? Exactly. Now, um, I, I don't think there's any crisis in the near future. No. For Apple, um, I think they're going to have to find a new spokesperson. Yeah. Tim Cook, uh, while he is a an excellent. Uh, choice for someone to run a company like Apple is not the showman that Steve Jobs was. So right. they're going to need to find somebody else to, to carry on that part of things. And, and they're going to have to. Jonathan Ive tends to be a very quiet and private person. So although I've, I've seen him incorporated in, in uh, presentations, though it's usually in a very, like, kind of a cute way. Like when they launched the iPhone, he was one of the people that Steve Jobs called and he was wandering the actual, uh, floor. Uh, at the keynote and talking mm-hmm. to Steve. He was using a, a flip phone, I think, but Steve Jobs, of course, was on the iPhone. Right, right. Well, they, uh, they're, they're going to, to need to find the next visionary within the company. Yes. Or the next visionaries to come up with the, you know, new products, new ideas. 
Um, but that's true of any company. And, uh, and they may so, very well have those people right then and yeah. right there because again, it's not like Steve Jobs <laughs> wakes up in the morning, sketches out something on a piece of paper and walks in, make this happen, and then goes and eats an intern. That's not what happens. Um, you know, they, there are teams of people working no, on this. He's a vegetarian, dude. Yeah, it's okay. I'm sorry. You know, eats a tofu intern. Uh, it's, uh, that's, that's not the way this works. So there are people, there are brilliant designers who are working at Apple. Sure. It's just that, uh, you know, those ideas were all sort of focused through Steve Jobs and we're wondering if without that, out the lens that is Steve Jobs, what's it going to look like in about five or six years? I suspect that Apple will remain a strong player specifically in the mobile device market. Yeah. Um, I, I, PCs and desk and laptops and everything, or, or desktops and laptops, they'll they'll still be playing in that field as well. But we are seeing that whole post PC era descend on us. So I suspect we'll still see innovation from those areas. Uh, they just might not be. They might not have the same feel to them as the Steve Jobs era did. But that that doesn't mean that they they won't be compelling or they won't be successes. And I think it's going to be a long time before the the post Steve Jobs era manifests itself. Yeah, it might in be Apple's it products. might be a decade before we even start seeing a hint of that because he really did leave a very strong stamp on that company. Mm-hmm. And then as part of the board of directors, that stamp will probably continue for yeah. a few years. Oh, unless, yeah, he, he could still be quite the visionary uh, you know, and help guide the company in his role as chairman. He's mm-hmm. just not going to be there day to day. Yeah. And so, uh yeah, it it may well be that Hopefully what this is, is the best possible choice for Steve Jobs for his health. Yeah. And that he will, he will have, uh, his health will improve and he'll live a good long time and have a healthy life. So that, you know, that's really the most important thing when you really get down to it is that we don't wish him any harm at all. Yeah. And if it means that stepping back is going to help him, then by all means, I hope that that turns out to be the case. Um, it's interesting because I always think of Steve Jobs as one of those people who, because he's so guarded about his personal life, we mostly know him from his professional life. So to us, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs is Apple. Yeah. So it's hard for us to imagine him not doing that because to us, that, that looks like that's the driving force in his life. But who knows? You know, maybe that, maybe that is a, uh, you know, a big factor, but maybe he finds other elements in his life to be far more compelling. And we just don't know about it because he keeps that personal, which is fine. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to object to that. Um, because he's, he shouldn't be treated just as a celebrity. Anyway, okay. fascinating man. We really are expecting, uh, some interesting developments with Apple over the next few years. And it may be quite a few before we can start definitively to say, ah, oh, well, here we go. Mm-hmm. Here's the new direction. Yes. Um, uh, but we'll keep our eyes open because, you know, Apple is a huge player in technology and I don't see that changing anytime real soon. No. So if you guys have any topics you would like us to tackle, anything you'd like us to, to kind of wrap our minds around, whether it's a, uh, a philosophical matter, sort of like this one, or if it's a really technical thing, like you just want us to explain how uh, toasters work, let us know. Mm, you can toast. Mm, toast. You can let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, or shoot us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. 
Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Forks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?